Do you want to be a more strategic product manager? Step one is start asking why. Not why do I want to become a more strategic product manager, of course. But why are we building this thing? Why are we building this thing instead of that thing? Why are we building this thing now? And then when you get the first answer or answers, ask why again and keep asking why until you get to the base reason for this thing being what you're building. Now you might find the answer isn't very satisfying, that the reason for building this thing isn't very good in the overall scheme of things. Now, this is very simple advice I'm giving, just ask why. It's not a whole big theory, but the longest journey of course starts with a single step and asking why is one of the best first steps to becoming more strategic. But we'll get a little deeper in this episode. Hi, this is Nels Davis. You're listening to episode number 111 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. This episode arose out of a few conversations that have been going on in LinkedIn and Twitter about being more strategic. It's every product manager's goal to be able to work more strategically. And in every product management survey, product management leaders complain that their teams are not considered strategic. So I thought it would be worthwhile to talk a little bit about strategy, how to think about it, some of the challenges we have in the product world related to strategy, and how to become more strategic. And, oh, by the way, how to use your strategic thinking to create better market solutions, justify your decisions, and keep the ship moving forward. You can find notes for this episode at secretsofpm.com slash 111. And now, let's get into it. First of all, why is it important to ask why? Well, the first step to being more strategic, assuming you're starting at the bottom, is to get out of simply being an order taker. You can still take orders, but by asking why, you're going to start being a more aware order taker. That's the bottom-up way to be more strategic. But how about the top-down way to be more strategic? Well, there's two main scenarios you're working in. Maybe there's a well-articulated company strategy. If there's a well-articulated overall business strategy that drives a well-articulated product strategy, and that product strategy drives a set of things that are built, and you are the person who is responsible for getting those things built, that's a pretty good situation. The reality is that in that case, you're probably being told the why already if you're a product manager at the staff level. Now, in a situation like this, you get more strategic. The way to get more strategic is to move up the product management ladder from product manager to senior to lead to director and so on because strategy is usually defined at the top of the responsibility stack. But even if you're lower in the stack, your ability to determine what to do based on the strategy also depends on where you are in the responsibility stack. And at the bottom of the stack, usually you're executing on someone else's decisions. Well, what makes a good strategy, by the way? Well, a strategy is a plan for achieving some goals that specifically focuses on overcoming the obstacles you'll face in achieving them. This definition is based on Richard Rummel's definition in his very fun book, Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. I was surprised, actually, at how much fun it was to read, to be honest. I bought it thinking it would be pretty dry and academic. But in fact, it's engaging and entertaining, filled with stories of companies and countries creating bad strategies and how they failed, with a few examples of good strategies included as well. I'll put a link to Good Strategy, Bad Strategy in the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 111. A surprisingly common case, however, in contrast to what I mentioned before, is that there is not a well-articulated company strategy, and even if there is, there's not a well-articulated product strategy. In this case, becoming more strategic means something completely different. And note, this is not the ideal situation, but it is an opportunity for you. If there's no well-articulated company or product strategy, then becoming more strategic involves, first of all, 
figuring out what the strategy should be. Well, it's a little bit more than that. There's always a strategy. And if it's not well articulated, that means it's likely to be in one person's head or that it's something that's discussed among a few people, that is the company leaders, but not ever formally dripped down. And even though it's a strategy, in that case, it might not be a very well-formed strategy in that sense of good strategy versus bad strategy. A lot of companies have make more money and get better margins as their strategy, but those are not strategies. They're objectives, and they're perfectly normal and desirable objectives, but they're not a strategy. It's not a strategy to say, we're going to win this war. The strategy is the plan you have for winning the war. And obviously, there are obstacles to winning a war, like the army of the other side. So a good strategy addresses how you're going to overcome the efforts of the other side to prevent you from winning the war. I assume this is kind of obvious. So let's take a look at another useful definition for strategy. This is the one that's found on Wikipedia. A strategy is a high-level plan to accomplish one or more goals or objectives under conditions of uncertainty. Tactics, in contrast, are the specific actions to achieve those strategic goals. So conditions of uncertainty are also, you can call them like Richard Rummel does in his book, those are the obstacles that you're trying to overcome. So let's talk a little bit about the relationship between strategy and tactics for a moment, in particular the hierarchy. As you've already experienced a lot in product management, we use hierarchies all the time because they give a scale and decision-making power and generally make things more manageable. One of the reasons we think about strategies and tactics, the two-level hierarchy in the first place, is for this reason. It gives us scalability. But as with many hierarchies, two levels is not necessarily enough. Depending on where you sit, someone else's tactic might be your strategy. In other words, you're going to take actions to realize the objectives of someone else's tactic. This is, in one sense, semantics, but I think it's important. In fact, let me go through an example. I apologize for the war metaphor, but it's especially good for illustrating this, and of course it's where a lot of strategy and tactics thinking came from. So the top-level objective is we win the war, or is to win the war. The strategy is to defeat the enemy on the battlefield, to disrupt their supply lines, and to use propaganda. So we have some tactics for defeating the enemy on the battlefield. We have to move our forces into position, and again, that might be challenging for various reasons. We have to fortify our position, and we have to use the double X plus battle plan, whatever that is, I made up that name. Now, each of those tactics, such as moving the forces into position, obviously has lots of actions and obstacles under it, so the tactics become objectives for lower level planning. And these lower level plans themselves become strategies for achieving those objectives. For example, move our forces into position is an objective, and we can create a strategy for it. Arrange for transport of heavy artillery. Clear a path to the desired position. Ensure the supply lines are clear. That's a high-level plan for achieving an objective in conditions of uncertainty, the very definition of a strategy, even though the objective it serves is a tactic for a higher-level strategy. So, the point is, strategies and tactics are hierarchical, and they can go all the way down, and they can go quite a, quite a ways up as well. So getting back into the world of products and strategies, if the company has the plan for we're going to make more money, that plan is the strategy. And likewise, for we're going to get better margins. To achieve those objectives, you need a plan, and that plan is the strategy. If you have one, that's great. You can start coming up with tactics that enable you to execute against the strategy. But what if there's no actual plan, no strategy? Well, that's one place where being more strategic comes in. At least that's where the potentially fun stuff comes in. What do you do in this situation? Well, strategies are fundamentally about two things. The objectives, 
and the plan to achieve the objectives in conditions of uncertainty, meaning obstacles. And if you don't have a strategy, you could be missing either one of those. So you want to look for two things. And because there isn't a strategy, you are probably going to have to infer those. What are the objectives of the business? Of course, make more money, get more customers, but those aren't very helpful objectives for creating a strategy. For example, here are four ways you can get more customers. You can sell more to existing customers. You can sell more to new customers. You can reduce the rate of attrition in your customer base. And you can increase market share against a competitor. A particular strategy is probably going to choose one or two of those things as an area of focus. You probably can't do all four at once. Now, having figured out the objectives, what is the implied plan for how you're going to meet those objectives? Well, how do you figure those things out? Well, if you're trying to infer it, you start by observing what the company is doing to move toward its objectives, even if they haven't created a strategy explicitly. For example, it might be open more stores or it might be expand into more markets, or it might simply be serve our existing markets better, or promise our existing markets things we don't have yet. Obviously, that last one is dangerous, but it's not that unusual. And then, once you have inferred a company's strategy based on the actions that are being taken, and again, this is without judgment on that strategy, you can start to articulate a product strategy to help realize that corporate strategy. I'm obviously making lots of assumptions here for simplification like that you have a product that solves a problem that a segment needs to have solved and they're willing to pay for a solution and all that stuff, all the basics of what's often called product market fit. Now, realistically, most companies are not this bad off, but most are definitely on the spectrum between having a well-articulated strategy and not having any strategy articulated at all. They're somewhere in between those two states and surprisingly often more toward the end of not having any strategy articulated at all. Now, one reason for this is that lots of execs, unfortunately, think that articulating objectives is the same as articulating a strategy. But as I mentioned, it is not. But in any case, there's almost always an opportunity to articulate or at least refine a product strategy based on what the company is actually trying to do. And this is where being more strategic and understanding that strategies are plans for achieving objectives in conditions of uncertainty gives you power. Now, what does this mean in practice? Having a product strategy means, in the end, that you can tie product decisions and priorities to the product strategy and hence to the company strategy. So what goes into the product strategy then? Well, product strategies are actually pretty simple a lot of times. They're mostly based on a combination of five things. Customers, market segments, market objectives or themes, competitors, and capabilities. At any given time, your corporate strategy is going to drive your product strategy along these five dimensions and it's going to ignore or lower the priority of some dimensions. For example, your 2022 strategy might put competitive gaps on a back burner while prioritizing retention of existing customers and opening one new segment. Now, think about this from the perspective of an individual feature. Each feature is related to some customers who want that feature, for example. It's related to some market segments who will use the feature. It's related to some market objectives that the feature helps deliver on, and so on. So you can call this the market footprint of the feature. And once you start to pay attention to the market footprint of a feature, it's easy, relatively easy, to see if the feature is aligned with the current product strategy. A feature might be very well aligned with one particular strategy, but not well aligned at all with a different strategy. For example, if the strategy includes starting to sell in Germany, then localizing the product to Germany makes a lot of sense. If we don't have any plans to sell to Germany or to German-speaking countries, 
then localizing in German is a complete waste of time. When you start thinking about that market footprint, every feature is strongly or weakly aligned to the various components of the footprint and to the strategy. And every product strategy is essentially a statement about which of those components is important for achieving the objectives. And this means you can use analytics to determine how aligned a particular feature is to the strategy. And then when I say analytics, you can, of course, create a spreadsheet or something like that. But when you start thinking of features in this way as having a footprint, you can often do what I call qualitative analytics on features to determine their strategic alignment. You don't need a spreadsheet. You can do it mentally. Often a quick qualitative assessment of a feature can tell you if it's strongly aligned to the strategy or weakly aligned. And you can easily make the prioritization decision based on that assessment. So instead of building a feature because it seems like a good idea or a customer asks for it, you build things that help the company achieve a strategic goal. That's the benefit of having a product strategy is it helps you make those prioritization decisions. Now, the thing you build might still be satisfying a particular customer's request, but it's also aligning with a strategic goal. And don't forget that sometimes satisfying a particular customer is a strategic goal, at least for a near-term strategy or objective. So there's a few advantages for being more strategic as a product manager in a company. I mentioned prioritization decisions are often easier to make and to justify. It's also easier to reject a feature request from an executive or an important customer because you can ask them how the feature aligns with the strategy, and if it doesn't align, you have a good reason for not doing it. Now, obviously, I hope, a good strategy will help the company be more successful, and partly that will be through creating features and capabilities in the product that align with the strategy, which means they support the goals of the strategy, which is to achieve the objectives, which presumably will help the company be more successful. Without a strategy, when you just build features because they seem like they'd be nice to have or because an exec thought they'd be nice to have, they may not align with the ultimate success of the company. So let me give you a couple of examples of just using a product strategy to make prioritization decisions. Localization, I kind of mentioned that a little bit already. It seems like a great idea to make the product more localized, but it's expensive to do this and it means not doing something else. So if the strategy doesn't include expanding to other countries, all the effort and resources going into localization are essentially waste, even though in general it seems like a good idea. That's a very clear example, but there's many product decisions that are similar. Another one is, do we implement this feature request? Do we build this feature that's a common request from customers in segment A? Well, if the strategy has us focusing on segment B, then maybe we don't do anything for customers in segment A right now. So that's another example of using the strategy to help prioritize. So getting back to where we started, let's think about asking why. To be more strategic at any given moment, instead of simply doing the task, make sure you understand the why of the task. What does doing this task impact? How does it move the business forward? What higher level goal or objectives does it help to achieve beyond simply doing the task itself? And as you go up the tree of why, you'll naturally rise up in strategic thinking. Every tactic or action is a means to achieve a strategy. It helps to think of strategies as hierarchical. Every strategy is a tactic for a higher level strategy. The tower doesn't go up to infinity, but it is a tower. So here are three things you can start doing today. As a product manager, you should be focusing on the pieces of the strategy puzzle that affect your ability to deliver value to your customers. So first, start creating market footprints for your features. Customers, segments, competitors, themes, at least as notes on the feature. Which customers have asked for this? 
Which strategic theme do they align with? I think it's really valuable. And if you have a good tool, you can actually make that a required component of the feature as you build it, that you list out what are the strategic alignments. Second, use your organization's strategy to guide your prioritization based on the market footprints of your features. And third, learn to use the market footprint and alignment to the product strategy concepts to have more productive prioritization conversations. So in closing, strategies and tactics are hierarchical. If you have a good market model for your features, what I just called the market footprint, you can use the organization's strategy and strategic goals to prioritize. You still have to use your intuition to make good decisions. It doesn't solve all of your prioritization problems just to have strategies and have market footprints for a variety of reasons. Maybe you still have too much to do, or maybe there's specific customers you still have to do things for, or maybe sales has made promises. There's lots of other things that go on to prioritization. So in this episode, we drilled down and up into strategies and how to be more strategic as a product manager. I hope you got one or two insights that will help you be more effective and more strategic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about this episode, please visit secretsofpm.com slash 111 and drop a comment or simply send me a message on LinkedIn or via email. I love to hear from you and I respond to every question and comment. Next time on the podcast, an interview with a wild and crazy guy, Seth Erickson of the Storyfy Agency on his epiphany about storytelling, how storytelling changed his marketing agency and exploded his impact, and how he thinks about story and story structure. That will be episode 112, coming soon. You've been listening to the Secrets of Product Management podcast with me, Nels Davis. Until next time, bye-bye.